Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So let's begin with this. We're all meant to see ourselves in the Magi. Anytime there's a scripture passage and no particular name is given, we're really invited to step into that role in that story. So the Magi, they began with what they knew, and then they moved into what was unknown to them. They began with what was familiar, and they moved into the unfamiliar. They began where they felt secure and competent, and they were willing to go into the place of unknowing and insecurity. Because they were willing to make that move, they met Jesus Christ. Some of you have probably heard, hopefully lots of priests and deacons and things, but hopefully people in your life as well, talk about how they know Jesus. They talk to him. They hear from him. He said this. He's guiding me here. I hope that's a reality for a lot of you, but I've been a priest 10 years, and I know some of you say, well, that's just not me. And I want to say that might not be you yet, but that's what you're made for. Everyone is made to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and a relationship means we share our lives, but also means we receive from him. We hear him. We know how our life affects him, and we know how he invites us to join with him. In Latin, To define the human person, one of the phrases the church uses is capax dei, meaning every human being is capable of God. You are capable of encountering and having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. The Magi show us, for many of us, the journey towards such a reality. So they begin with what they knew, and what they knew led them to what they didn't know, and they were willing to go on the journey. They were willing to enter in to the time of instability and insecurity, a time of trust and dependence, where they didn't know all the answers. They didn't know how it was all being put together, but they knew a few things. They were astronomers. They knew the stars, and what they knew was leading them into what they didn't know. And what they didn't know was so captivating, so interesting, so moving, that they moved. They responded to these realities, and it drew them along the way. As it drew them, it brought them into Jerusalem. Because they had heard and knew that there was some king to be born. And they thought, well, a king's going to be born in a palace. And so this journey, this very human quest led them not to figure it out on their own, led them to people who are further along on the journey, people who may have some more answers to help them along. They begin to ask religious leaders, where is this king to be born? Do you know of this? And by talking to other people and putting themselves in a posture of listening and learning from others, their journey was clarified. Oh, we came to Jerusalem. We're meant to go to Bethlehem. And so they adjust their journey. And now they're on their way. And they come to the house. And they see Mary. And they meet Jesus. 
And all the restlessness, all the desires and dreams, all the fear and energy around this activity came to rest as they looked upon baby Jesus. And they were moved to simply adore him, but in adoring him, they were also adoring the beautiful fact that they came to recognize were a part of God's story. God's saving plan involves a me and a you. They began to realize this, overcome with joy. They could now go back seeing themselves, God, and the whole world differently because they met Jesus. This is all of our stories. Every one of us knows a few things, but those things we know lead us to things that we don't know. If we're faithful to our own humanity, you know some things in your life that make you come alive. You know some things in your life that fill you with joy and hope and meaning and peace. And yet those moments end. They're fleeting. And so you know something. I want this moment to last forever. I love it. And you also know that it doesn't last forever and we don't like that. We get restless. We have desires to drink in and receive more. We're invited to go on a journey. Where is this more? Where are we being led? What are we looking for? To be human means to be alive, to have interests and desires and longings. If you are numbed out, it means you are numbed out. If you are not in touch with these longings and desires, it means you have taken in the cultural answer to these desires. Namely, let's numb it out. There's a million different ways to numb it out. Some somewhat innocent, some not innocent at all. But if we don't want to feel these longings, these desires for more, either we're numb or we've been hurt in the past and we're afraid to feel the pain again. So we don't want to go on the journey. But if we continue on the journey, much like the wise men, we will need guides, people to show us the way, people who are further along on the journey. Cue the scriptures at every mass. Cue saints, church teachings, and hopefully role models in your own life that can offer you a few clarifying words to keep your journey going in the right direction. And then this human quest, this human journey is meant to bring us right where we're at tonight. Where we meet the invisible mystery of it all, the cause of the Big Bang, the Almighty, God Himself, who takes on human flesh to meet you by name. You, actually you. His appearance is different, but He's still physical. He's the same person and the same presence in the Eucharist. Same power, same person, same presence, same physicality. Just a different appearance. And he comes here, he becomes flesh again in the liturgy in the Eucharist to nourish your heart and mind with the hope that all these desires and interests aren't for nothing. Your life has meaning. You're a part of God's saving plan. 
You're a part of his dream for all of humanity. And it's clarified and revolves around the encounter with Jesus. All of this is in the background today as the pastor at St. Basil's to remind you of something incredibly important. And it's going to sound uber-religious for a moment. The Sunday Mass is an obligation. It's an obligation every single Sunday. So are Holy Days of Obligation. There's not many of those, by the way. But Sunday Mass every week is an obligation by God through the church on your life. Father, we're the ones here. Why are you telling us this? We're the good ones. All right? Many of you are. Every week, I know you. Some of you are visiting, so I might not know you. But some of you come on occasion. You come once in a while. 15, 20 years ago, if you asked someone, do you go to church? They said, oh yeah. They both understood that meant every week. Now if you ask someone, do you go to church? They say, yeah. In their mind, that means once or twice a month. Yeah, I go to church. The obligation to go to Mass every week is because much like the wise men, they could stay in their home country and think about God. They can stay in their home country and even pray to God. They could stay in their home country and read about God. What they couldn't do is stay in their home country and encounter the saving action of God in this world. They could not become a part of the story of God's redemptive power and his love story to unite all of humanity with his divine heart. They can't join in that at home. They had to move their bodies. They had to exert effort and energy in order to encounter the living Jesus and realize God knows us by name. I'm a part of a story much bigger than myself and my life matters to him. Those are not things that are wishful thinking we can do in a bedroom or at home. We have to come here. We have to come to the place that this baby that we're talking about grew up. And he said, I will remain with you in a mysterious living bread. The bread of eternal life, he calls it. The Eucharist. And he says, if you want meaning, hope, peace, joy, healing, forgiveness, and understanding of why you're alive, you need to come to me often at least once a week. And so it's like a doctor prescription. You need to come once a week if you're going to claim to be a disciple. Now, we all get it. The church is reasonable, so is God. If you're sick, you're taking care of someone, through no fault of your own, through travel, you couldn't get there. Or because of the oppressive times we're in, your type of job doesn't allow you to get out of work. The church is reasonable, so is God. But outside some extreme examples, we must make every effort to be here. Why? Well, if we believe in the Bible, if we believe in saints, if we believe in the Eucharist, and we do believe Jesus rose from the dead and is doing something, we need to be where he's doing something. And so on this Sunday, when we celebrate the Epiphany, the Epiphany means manifestation. Where is he manifested? Where does the invisible become visible? Not in a photograph at home. Not in a weird piece of Jesus art we may have on our walls from grandma and it's really nice. Those make us think of him. He only is alive with his heart beating in a physical way at the mass. And so we like the wise men imitating great characters of wisdom. We move our bodies in the right direction 
And we come here and flow from here so that we can be a light to the nations and we can bring the good news that Jesus isn't here to condemn anyone, but to invite them to life. But because he became human, he honors what is human, meaning it's a real relationship. We have some part to play in making his holiness and his story be known to the nations. May we be found January of 2025 as men and women who can claim we are disciples of Jesus. Amen.